Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan. And hey, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. So, Mark, you've got the story for the day. It's in your court. Away you go. Okay. Well, one of the things that it's easy to do is to get caught up in what you're doing, right? Get really focused. And doing this can have some side, side effects. And the Washington Post did an interesting experiment in 2007. It gave a bit of an illustration of this. What they were doing is they wanted to test uh, would amazing music being played by a world-class performer in a dingy location be noticed. So they enlisted, they enlisted a guy called Josh Bell, who happens to be one of the finest violin players in the world. So if you want to see Josh Bell in concert, $100 will get you a pretty ordinary seat. Right. So Probably goes um, up enormously from there. Yeah, yeah. And so they got him to perform in L'Enfant Station in Washington, which is a pretty dingy railway station. And he was kind of just inside the door next to a rubbish bin. Uh, and people could hear him as they were coming up the escalators. And uh, he, when they were doing the, the preparation, he was kind of pretty keen uh, to, to have a bit of an experiment, a bit of a showman. And they said, oh, well, just be, you know, this is, this is L'Enfant Station. You know, just take a, a, an old violin. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm going to take my Stradivarius, right? So he takes He's going to go four... full in, was he? <laughs> He's all in. Right, $4 million Stradivarius. Right, right? okay, good. Uh, made in 1710 at the height of, of uh, Stradivarius uh, powers. powers. and capability. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of one of the fine... Anyway, so it's, it's, it's an okay violin. And... Uh, you know, he's a world-class performer. He's playing one of the, the finest violins in the world and he chooses six of the greatest pieces of classical music ever written, right? And he plays for 43 minutes and the idea was, would anyone notice? And what happened was that... Uh, oh, and just so he, he, will, he wasn't dressed up, right? He wasn't in his concert stuff. He had a pair of jeans, a long-sleeve T-shirt, a baseball cap... Um, uh, anyway, so and just a little bit about him. So he looked well, like he, an ordinary busker, just an ordinary guy. So he's he's thirty nine, but apparently he's pretty you know pretty good looking and uh, single. So apparently gets mobbed at his concerts. But he starts playing, and in the course of the forty three minutes, uh, nearly eleven hundred people go past. And of those eleven hundred people, only seven people stop, and most of them for only a few seconds. 32 people gave him money, right? So uh, he had his, had, his, had his violin case open and so he's made $32 for his 43 minutes and not even for a second did a crowd form. And he actually found it quite challenging. So the Washington Post did the experiment, would this beautiful music be noticed? And the resounding answer is no, it wasn't noticed. And none of these people who were going past took the time they were so focused on what they're doing, so, you know, so task-oriented, you know, they're busy, 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 that they didn't even notice this amazing thing that they were walking straight past. And it's just a good lesson for us all that just be aware when we get too focused. We miss stuff that can be really valuable to us. And, and to our day. <laughs> Excellent. Love it. Love that story. Um, cool. Now, uh, it's interesting, you know, like what I love, about that, Mark, is you set the story inside almost like how you would 
have the conversation. And one of the things we've been talking about is just the importance in when you're learning your storytelling uh, skills that you have to immerse yourself. It's like learning a language. You have to immerse yourself in people telling stories, right? And, but not just the story bit, you have to have the, how do you get into the story and how do you get out of the story, right? So that you can work out how to do it in a conversation. Otherwise you've got these little set pieces you know, that sort of sit all by themselves, right? If you only know the story, then you've got a bit of a problem. Now, do that, you you picked a, a business point. Yeah, and probably not even the most uh, common business point for that story. No, no, I don't think so. But it was, a, it was you decided that was the view that you were going to take and, and you slid nicely into that story. So that was, that was fabulous. One of the things that one of the questions that people have uh, most often about this stuff is how do you transition to a story? How do you segue to a story? How do you insert one naturally into a conversation? And I guess one of the things to avoid is changing the way you talk when you go into the story. Yeah. You know, changing your body language, changing your tone. The fog rolled in like an ominous blanket. <laughs> don't do that <laughs> don't do that avoid that um you know but one of the things it's i think it's worth talking about i was just thinking about this recently is that you know we, we are big advocates of first of all you've got to know your point but then you preface the story with your point and i was watching some uh, people tell stories on various um talkback shows right like um graham norton and they they're obviously all told okay there are stories you need to tell. That's the whole format. It's story, story, story. But they all do preface, nearly all of them preface their story with a point. And you know why they do it? Or one of the reasons why they do it? It's to get the attention of the people around them, right? It's their little marker to say, hey, hang on, hang on there. I'm about to tell a story. I want your attention, right? So they'll say things like, um, you know what? A small thing can make a difference. But if everyone's still talking over top of them, they'll have another go. They'll sort of say, actually, you know, it's true. A small thing can make a difference until they got their attention. And once they got their attention, then they uh, lead into the story, right? And I think that is another, another reason why these, these points are so important. Yeah, so now let's just zoom back into this story, Mark. Okay, so we're sort of talked outside the story. But in the story, what were the things that we really liked about it? What were the things that jumped out for us? Well, I'm going to tell you that one of the things that I really liked was the Stradivarius. Right, me too. I like that, yeah. Four, $4 million. Um, it's just a nice little detail that gets you understanding the type of person Josh Bell is. That, you know, he's not going to do anything half you know, half cocked, he's going to go in, he wants to do the full Monty, right? Yeah. And even just saying the Stradivarius, you don't have to say much more about Josh Bell. Like no, no, you know, he's clearly a very good violinist, isn't he, if you've got a Stradivarius yeah. at hand. Yeah, I've, the kid next door, no. Oh, you know, one of the things I was going to say, and I thought, no, I won't do that. That's a bit rude. Um, but I, what I was going to say is when you, you said he picked the six greatest uh, songs to play, I thought, oh, you mean the devil went down to Georgiatown? <laughs> I, didn't I say classical music? Oh, okay, right. Not, not one of the greatest violin pieces ever. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's right. I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else do we like about it? I think... Um, I think the fact that it's, you've got it 
under the auspices of the Washington Post. So that gives it credibility. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relatable story in the sense, you know, we've all experienced that going through it. One of those subways, which are a bit dodgy and, you know, you see the busker in the corner, you know, doing the best they can to get an audience. And, and the classic thing is, of course, Josh Bell couldn't get a better audience than any other. It must make other buskers feel great <laughs> to hear this story. Like there they were working their asses off, you know, playing like they're being possessed by the, you know, the gods and they, they still can't get 37 bucks, but neither can Josh Bell. Yeah. And they might be thinking, oh, I'm no good. But in fact, there's a, there's a, there's a fantastic application for that story. Yeah. You know, the next time you run into a busker. Um, yeah, tell them that Josh Bell, look, if you're not doing yeah. well, don't worry. Neither yeah, could Josh I Bell couldn't make much out of this. Yeah, I remember my uh, my uh, ex stepson. Uh, he would uh, busk doing magic, and he would come back. Oh, I only made eight dollars or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you about Josh Bell. Magic's a pretty hard one to do, I'd say. Um, okay, so uh, what about things that make this story a bit better? Well, the one of the, for me the important or the importance of some of the data. So. 45 or 43 minutes, but it's easy to say three quarters of an hour. It's more visual, uh, but that's an, an important piece of data. Uh, and also the $32. I thought that was oh, yeah, nice, yeah. nice contrast with the $100 a seat. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. I like it. Um, yeah, no, I think there's, um, it's a nice little story to tell. Uh, business points. Let's chat about business points then. All right, well, should we start with the one that I chose, which was focus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the stop to smell the roses. Yeah. Business point. I'm reminded of that piece of research that was done well, years ago where the, the, the video of uh, people in uh, white shirts and dark shirts passing a basketball. And you oh, yes, that's right. Basket. And, you know, you, you, you say to the audience, your task is to count the number of times the people in the white shirts pass the ball to each other. And in the middle of the thing, which only goes for like 90 seconds, a gr somebody walks past dressed in a gorilla suit, beats some sort. Anyway, most people don't even see the gorilla because they're so focused on the task. Yeah. Anyway, that, I was reminded of that. Can I say, when I showed that to a group, actually the customs department in Canberra, I, it was on this really big screen, you know, so the gorilla was a, about human size as it walked through the, you know, sort of uh, uh, video that was showing. And, you know, in the first viewing, hardly anyone saw it. Maybe one or two out of 30 people saw it. And there was one guy who said, no, there was no gorilla. And we said, oh, no, I said, no, that's no worries. Well, let me just play it again. I played it again and everyone's laughing. Oh, there's the gorilla. He still couldn't see the gorilla. It was like he was gorilla blind. I don't know what it was. <laughs> and he was saying, oh, you know, it was coming up to Christmas and he, uh, coming up to Easter and was sort of saying, you know, I will dress up as the Easter bunny. You know, like he was so adamant that there was no gorilla in there. Anyway, don't know and why. So how many times did you show up before you saw the gorilla? I ended up showing it three times. Oh, man. He thought then it was just a trick. Oh, uh, you'd somehow switch the video. I switched the videos around. Yeah. Yeah, so he was just not a believer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, focus. And yes. the importance of just being aware that when you are focused on something, you often miss other things and you know, everybody miss Josh. 
I think, the, you know, obviously the thing that the Washington Post were interested in was what's the effect of context and mm. surroundings to how people perceive the value of an activity, right? Mm. This would be a great story to tell if uh, I've had this sort of happen to me not too long ago where I'm part of this, um, I guess, an advisory board for a university and they were going to run some... Uh, uh, like a, a seminar series and the chair of the board of this advisory committee uh, was not from the university. She was from outside and she really understood the impact of, of marketing and PR and things like that. And so she wanted to have this at a, a really quite a nice venue because she wanted to present the university in its very best light. But the person who was from the university, they sort of going, no, 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 we'll just have this at our lecture theatre. Right. Why would we pay money? Yeah, you know, and just um, we'll save some money and we'll just get our styrofoam cups out and, you know, have our Nescafe coffee and, you know, and they'll be able to enjoy because they, they really do believe that it's the content that makes the experience. But this one here, this Josh Bell example, says that's not it. Content does not right. make the experience. It's the context that makes the experience, which is a yeah. wild idea. Right. Yeah, but it's a great use, a great way that you could use that Josh Bell story. We could have used it. I wish I, so, so I, wish so, I had it. Could you give an example, just to give people an idea of just how you might use it in that context? So if you are the, the chair lady. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to the... so, you know, I might say to the university person, look, I understand, you know, where you, um, you, you might want to be saving some money, but you know, we really want to have an impact. Um, there was this great bit of research done by uh, the Washington Post where they got one of the best violinists, Josh Bell, to play Stradivarius in the subway of a, of a, a Washington you know, railway subway and play his heart out for 43 minutes, right? And to see who would stop and watch. Well, guess what? Out of 1,100 people who, you know, strolled past, only a handful actually stopped and watched this guy. And in the time he was there, he would normally make thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. He made $37, right? And it was because of the setting, people, you know, and when they go, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that would be the sort of way I would tell that story. And so the... Just to round that out, then you could say, so we could have wonderful content delivered in uh, a lecture theatre that's got no uh, pizzazz, no atmosphere, and even great content might fall flat for you know because it's out of place. That's right; it's not okay. noticed and it's not appreciated. Yeah, so that would be that's the I think the way you would segue into it potentially. And I guess another uh, business point would be the one around presentation and the importance of presentation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's true. Um, the chocolate cake podcast episode. Yes. We've already told that story about the chocolate yeah. cake. What yeah. episode was that, do you know? I don't know, but we'll put that in the show notes. We'll do it in the show notes, yep. Okay, so they're the business points. Oh, we should um, we should do a good old um, rating of this, mate. Yeah. 
and yeah. so you uh, you get to you get to go. I'm sort of glad I'm reminded of this story because I've known this. I've seen the video. By the way, it's worth having a look at the video. And I'm not too sure. I mean, I can't remember. It was probably on the Washington Post site somewhere or probably on YouTube. But we'll put that. We'll try to find it and we'll put that uh, link in the show notes as well. But the, um, the great thing about it is this little scene of all the people flying past of a little girl, maybe five years old, holding her mother's hand. And the mother is, you know, just making a beeline to go down the escalator to get onto the train. And the kid is like dragging back and looking at Joshua Bell and listening to the music. It was almost like uh, she got it. You know, she She figured out that something, something something special was happening there and no one else was seeing it. Um, Okay. My rating, I think, um, I think this is actually a really good story. I think this is an eight this is an eight story as well um, because I, you know, I just have to be remember, how do I remember to tell this story? That's the thing. You know, I think um, it does help talking about the business points, right? That helps you trigger it. Um, but yeah, I think it's an, eight. It's, a, it's an easy story to tell. It's got some nice elements to it. It's got some nice pictures to it. Um, it's got a nice surprise. Yeah, exactly. So no, love it. Eight, give it an eight out of ten. Okay. What are you going to give it? Well, I'm struggling with the rating for this one. Uh, again, uh, like you, it's a story I've known for a while. And just having this conversation about it, I'm certain that I'll use it, use it more as a result of talking about it in the podcast and kind of getting a bit deeper inside it. And so, uh, yeah, again, the some very nice elements to this cool little story. And... I'm going to give it an eight as well. Hey, we have agreement, Mark. Yeah. How good is that? Doesn't happen all the time. Um, fantastic. Well, I think that's uh, where we finish up. Is there anything we need to say before we close close up the episode? No. You know, you know I've always got one more thing. Well, I don't. Oh, so. okay, good. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks. Thanks to everyone for, for listening into Anecdotally Speaking. And yeah, tune in next week for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.